From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. With me in the studio today is a special guest from our Syracuse University neighbor, head football coach Dino Babers. He has some advice for making fitness part of everyday life and for motivating young people today. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Amber. Thank you. (laughs) Let's start with, uh, is it true that you've wanted to be a football coach since you were six years old? You know, it is. I, uh, I was always uh, asking people what I should be when I grow up. And, and uh, during a quiet moment, the word coach came to me. And uh, I've been striving to try to be a coach ever since. At the time, I was a short, fat mama's boy that never left the house and really didn't play a sport. You didn't play football? I really, well, at the time I did not. I had an older brother, a younger brother, three other sisters in my family, and my dad and my brother played football at the time, but I did not. I was just, stay, I would stay in the house and just watch TV. So uh, when I decided that I wanted to be a coach, I really didn't know what sport I was supposed to be a coach in. I just knew that I was supposed to be a coach. And then uh, when my older brother found out that that's what I wanted to be, he started beating me up and forcing me to go outside and, and play football with him. Because he said, if you're going to be a coach, you got to learn a sport. I said, but I don't know if that's the sport I'm supposed to learn. But he just wanted me to get me out of the house because I was a mama's boy and I was gaining weight. So he would get me out there and get me playing with the other guys. And eventually uh, football won me over, over compared to basketball and track and all those other sports. Did you try those other sports? I sure did. did? I I was a basketball player, ran track, played football. I tried to do a lot of everything so I could just get get around other coaches to learn their styles, to learn their techniques, to see uh, the good and the bad, to see what I could take with me and what I wanted to leave behind. That's interesting that you had a focus from a young age on what you ultimately wanted to do and you did things to get you to that place. Um, What did you like about football? I thought it was fair. You know, I, I grew up in the 60s and uh, grew up on military bases all around the country. I was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. I started uh, kindergarten, first grade in Norfolk, Virginia. Graduated high school from San Diego, California. And I lived everywhere in between. And the one thing when you're moving from north to south, east to west during those times, is that you realize everything wasn't always fair. And so what? What are you going to do about it now? And I thought that, uh, not only football, but I thought that uh, competitions and sports was at least fair. You at least had a chance. Even if the officials were a little biased, at least you had a chance to overcome it. So I thought it was the the most fairest thing that you could do, and that's what drew me to it drew me towards it. Neat. Well, what do you think um, the players that you have on the SU football team, what would they say about you? How would they describe you as a coach, do you think? You know, I, that's a question that I, I, I'll, I'm going to backpedal away from. I think you need to ask them, and obviously they're not here. I don't know how people perceive me, and I'm not sure it matters that much to me. I have there's certain things that I want to get done. There's certain things I think that young people need to do. Uh, my dad was military. I was raised in a military fashion. And I think that all young people in their quiet way, in their hipster way, the millennial way, I think they all want discipline. But you just can't put it on, on, their, on their plate and say, this is discipline, eat it. It's like peas. You know, it's like spinach. You know, if you tell them it's good for you, they don't want to eat it. 
And what you got to do is you got to find a way to put some sugar in it, mix it up in some potatoes, some kind of way for that broccoli to go down. And I think if you can find a way to let them swallow it, taste it, savor it, I think they'd all walk away with it and they'd all say that they'd want some of that discipline. And that's what I try to do with the young people on my football team and young people that I meet in my life. So discipline is, is part of it. But let's also talk about, um, do, do you have sort of a secret or a formula for instilling you know, heart and determination and focus in, in athletes? And um... You know, I think everybody's hot button is different. You know, like it's like marriage. Everybody, every partner knows the other partner's hot button, even though they, we both push it too much. You know, I think when it comes to young people, um, my biggest thing is I just don't want to settle. And uh, I don't want to be average. And if you're around me, you you need to honor that code that you're not going to be average and you're not going to settle. That means you're not going to settle spiritually. You're not going to settle physically. You're not going to settle mentally. And you're always striving to be a better you. And as long as you wake up every morning with those goals, I think that we can hang out with each other. If you're not like that, you're going to find me very difficult to deal with. Well, that also, as you were saying that, it, it sounds like that would work on the football field, but it would work I don't know, in a classroom or, or on a job site as well, right? Absolutely. I, I, think, I think that coaches are teachers, except for one I'm a teacher by trade, so if I wasn't a coach, I'd be a teacher. My degrees are in teaching, so the teachers may get mad at what I'm about to say here. But I think that the only difference between coaches and teachers is that coaches aren't allowed to fail anybody. Hmm. A teacher, you can fail someone. There's a bell curve. Somebody's going to get an A and somebody's going to get an F. Somebody's going to get a B and somebody's going to get a D. In coaching, you everybody has to get an A or everybody has to get a B. Because if there's somebody's going to get an F or a D, that probably means if you keep that up that you're going to get fired and you're going to lose your job. Teachers have tenure. Coaches have contracts where they can get bought out and sent down the road. So your, uh, your enthusiasm or the way you go into something is you can't fail. Everyone has to pass. And uh, there's just a more sense of urgency of making sure that everyone gets the knowledge that they need to have an opportunity to be successful. So you can't give up on anyone? No, not at all. Right. So do you have some athletes where you've got to um, work a little harder to, to build them up, to give them confidence? Do you have do you see confidence as being an issue with some? I, I think that uh, sometimes you've got you to give them a confidence pill. There's no doubt about it. And then sometimes, you know, their egos are such that you have to take away their capital E and make it a small e because everyone's allowed to have an ego, but you can't have a billboard type ego in the room when you're doing something that's done in a selfless manner with it in a team concept. So I think there's times where you need to give some athletes more confidence and there's some times when you need them to tone it down a little bit so the team aspect can come into play. When you're um, recruiting athletes, I imagine you look at talent and physical skill. And what else do you look for in, in the person, sort of? How do you pick someone who's going to be successful? I think it, what we're doing right now, you need to get into conversations with them about uh, athletics. You need to get into conversations with them about academics. 
kind of how everybody wasn't privy to how we started our conversation this morning. But I think you need to learn something about them. You need to learn something about their past, uh, whether they have came from a single parent home or two parent home or no parent home. And then find out what, how much drive they have in them and how much do they want to be successful, how important it is to them. Because I found out if you give somebody something that they really, really want, they'll normally do anything and everything in their off time to achieve it. And what you want to do is you want a team full of achievers. And then you want a team full of people who when people tell them no, they don't even hear that. That that no is for somebody else. That's not for me. You just told me. You didn't say no. You just said go. Because that's what that word means to me. Neat. Well, as you mentioned, your undergrad, your master's degrees, your background is in education. Did um, part of your training, did you take courses in, and did you study how to motivate athletes? Or is this something that sort of comes natural for you? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I took every psychology class I could take. Uh, I wanted to be with as many coaches. I said before, I played a lot of sports. I wanted to be with a lot of coaches. Uh, when I played collegiately uh, at the University of Hawaii, I had four. I played four different positions, uh, and because I wanted to be coached by as many coaches as possible, and coach and being coached by those coaches, some coaches were better than others. And uh, it's one of the things that I tell my players all the time. I said, all. You treat all your players the same, but all your players aren't the same. Some are better than others. It doesn't mean you, tr you treat them the same, but there's no doubt that some are better than others. Some coaches are better than others, you know. And I'll take it to another step. You know, even though everybody passed pass the, uh, the, uh, the test to become a doctor, all doctors aren't the same. All teachers aren't the same. All coaches aren't the same. All financial advisors aren't the same. They're all qualified, but they're not the same. Some are better than others. And if you do your homework and you do your research, you'll really find out who's really at the top and who's just surviving. Oh, interesting. Let me remind listeners, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dino Babers, the head football coach for Syracuse University, about making fitness part of everyday life and how to motivate young people today. Um, at your introductory press conference when you came to SU in 2015, you asked everyone to close their eyes and envision a team that could win and bring a den to the Carrier Dome. Do you believe in sports psychology and the idea of visualization um, being a helpful tool? I do. I think if you can see it, you can achieve it. And uh, I remember being in that room and asking everybody to close, close their eyes, and I remember how long it took for everyone to close their eyes. And it brings me back to... Sometimes you, you're speaking and people hear you. And, but what I need to do is I need to be speaking and people listening to me. Because just because they hear you doesn't mean they're listening to you. And, uh, and asking those reporters and those media people to, to envision what I wanted and to ask them to close their eyes. Or, I'm like, I asked you guys to close your eyes and I'm not going to go further until all of you close your eyes. And all the ones out there listening, they know listening, they know who I'm referring to. And when they did that, then I could start the vision. I really believe if you can visualize it, you can achieve it. And you have to see it done if you really want to have all your energy, all your focus, all your faith heading in the right direction. 
And I think there's nothing bigger than sports visualization and visualization in all aspects of your life. I've seen and read about um, Olympic athletes using visualization. It seems to be a little more common than people might realize with athletes. I think it's almost a lost art. I really do. And, and it shouldn't be exclusive to just athletics. I mean, if you're visualizing Mr. Wright and you visualize, visualize him enough, you'll know what he, what he looks like when he steps into your <laughs> life, him or her. Good point. Well, I've got to ask you about the uh, football game that everyone remembers from this season, the upset of Clemson. Um, and I watched an ESPN interview that you gave where they asked, um, you know, why you won that game. And you talked about that your team had some close losses in the two previous games and that you felt there was sort of a loss of faith. So what what did you do to help the team get back from that and I'm, believe? I'm not quite sure that's that's exactly how I said it. What I what it, what I, what I believe I said was I thought there was a lack of faith from outside the team. Outside and, the and team. It's, and it's so important that the team is linked with the community, that the team is linked with the administration, that the team is linked with the university. And I never felt that there was a lack of faith within the team. But all those other things that I mentioned are all part of our family, the university, the administration, the community. So I felt like there was a there was a there was troubling, there was bubbling waters, that there was a lack of faith outside of us. And uh, I was excited that we had an opportunity to re-energize the administration, the university, and the community to keep the faith, belief without evidence that this thing is going to get done, that we are going to be winners. It's going to happen. It's going to happen soon, and all you're going to be around to see it. Neat. Well, it's, it was very memorable for everyone. Let me shift the discussion a little bit. Um, anxiety has overtaken depression as the number one reason college students seek counseling services over the last decade. Um, record numbers of students are feeling overwhelmed, and hospitalizations for teen suicide attempts has doubled in the last 10 years. What advice do you have for America's youth to get through what some would describe as tough times? You know, when you talk about tough times, when you talk about anxiety, uh, depression, you know, I, I, it makes me think about the things that we're afraid of, okay? And the way to become unafraid of a topic or an object is to become familiar with it. And what I mean by that is if you have test anxieties, well, you need to prepare more. And some people I've studied, study, and all I do is get, it just, you know, I get more depressed, more anxiety. I, I, I don't buy that. I think practice does not make perfect. That, that is not true. You can practice and you cannot, and not come to perfection. But perfect practice makes perfect. And I think when you're preparing in the right way and you're coming to the conclusion of the correct answer all the time, I'm talking about academics right now, I'm not talking about sports, that you gain so much confidence that when you go into a test situation that there really is no anxiety, you know. I, uh, I was an education major. I got education degrees and... I really didn't like school. Hmm. Graduated high school on the honor roll, and I really didn't like school. Graduated college with honors, and I really didn't like school. 
went and got a master's degree. And I really didn't like school. Got two degrees to teach, become an educator. And technically, I really don't like school. Never missed a day. Those little presidential patches you used to get for going to school all the time and being physical and doing the push-ups and the chin-ups, always got a patch. And what I'm referring to is, even though it wasn't my favorite thing to do, if I was going to go, I was going to do my best. If I was going to go, I was going to sit in the front of the room. If I was going to go and you're going to give me a grade, then I'm going to try my best to get an A. And for me to get an A, I had to be prepared. Um, I just think it carries over in everything. People, I, I know people who have test anxieties. They can, they get straight A's and they come to the exam and they bomb. And they go to the professor, I have stress anxieties, da 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 da. Look at my homework, look at this, but I just, I sit down with other people in a testing room and I have anxiety about it. It's a real thing, I get it, sure. I'm not making fun of it. But I just feel that if, you, if you're prepared and you know all that information, there shouldn't be any anxiety. If someone can ask you a question and you know the answer and you know it so well, there shouldn't be any anxiety in spitting that answer out, whether it's verbally or, so on, or whether it's on a piece of paper. So the will to prepare doesn't matter. Okay, It's, it's the will to prepare correctly that matters in all aspects. Neat. Well, I'd like to talk a little about the importance of maintaining good physical health. So can you tell us what um, football players' fitness routine is like <laughs> during season? Well, I'll tell you what. It's, it's unbelievable. They get up early in the morning. Uh, right now, our young men are getting up. We have a 7 o'clock weightlifting schedule and an 8 o'clock weightlifting schedule. So they lift weights for an hour, hour and a half with running. And then they go on a Monday. Then they go to school all day. And then they come home. And they go to study hall all night. And then they do get some free time. This is where they can get some free time. But it's cutting into their sleep time. Because Tuesday morning, they're going to do the same thing again at 7, 8 in the morning. And you talk about the amount of calories these guys bring in. Every health person head would spin if I told you the amount of calories <laughs> these guys can eat. And not gain weight because they're putting on muscle. And it's really amazing. So they lift weights and run Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. They take Wednesdays off, Saturdays and Sundays basically off. On Saturdays, they will come in on their own and what we call break a sweat. And that's basically their routine, okay, through the off season, not counting football practice that comes up for 14, 15 days. Now I want to switch this to... Uh, a normal a normal person. I, I really believe that if you can find a way to work out five out of seven days, that you're going to be healthy. And when you say, what's a workout? Workouts depend, are different based off of who people are. It's also different on based off of what your calorie intake is and what type of body you have and what kind of workouts right. you do. So you won't be doing what the SU football team is doing. No, you won't be doing what the <laughs> SU football team is doing. But I think if you can find a way Okay, to do something five out of seven days, you're going to have a chance. Now, for me, I, you know, I used to run. I used to play basketball. I used to do those things. I'm not of the age to do those things anymore. So I like to walk. Now, when you, you're walking, you're not burning off the same amount of calories as running. So if I'm going to walk, I like to, I like to really go walk. So my walks are anywhere from 
45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes, okay? Or I really don't feel like walking, okay? I really want to go out there and I'm going to try to break a little bit of a sweat. I like to lift weights because I'm around so many guys that lift weights that if you don't, you really kind of stand out as a sickly looking guy. So I'll spend some time lifting weights and that's where the 6 a.m. thing was because I'll normally come in and lift an hour before the football team lifts. So I normally lift from 6 to 7, football team lifts from 7 to 8 and 8 to 9. And then on your weekdays, your two off days, what I would say when I say do something to break a sweat, go walk around the lake. Um, bike ride. Go a bike ride. Go play with your kids. Go play with your grandkids. Shoot basketball with somebody, one of the little kids down the street. Do something on one of your off days. That's just fun. That you just happen to get a little bit of a sweat going, and then that's it. And if, and if you do it and you're kind of spiritual about it, it normally seems to work out. Now, there's some people that just say they don't like exercise, sort of like you were saying you didn't like school. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, what advice do you have for them? Does it have to be enjoyable to do it? Well, I think you need to trick yourself. That's what I think you need to do. Whether it's, hey, if you have a favorite, oh, I'll tell you this. I used to do this in college. This this worked for an ESPN guy that used to be an ESPN anchor. He Now he, he does the sports in San Francisco, a good friend of mine. I'm not going to say his name. But... If you watch a lot of TV, okay, this is in the old days. This is how old I am. It, and we used to, used to have commercials, <laughs> this thing called commercials. But if you're watching your favorite TV show, your sitcom, that, okay, you're watching your sitcom. As soon as the commercial come on, don't watch the commercial. Drop down and start doing sit-ups. And as soon as the commercial's over, get back up in your sofa and finish watching your show. So no matter how much TV you watched... Whenever the commercial came on, you had to do something. So if you watched 30 minutes, you did 30. You did an hour, you did an hour. You did two hours, you did two hours. But that was the payoff. And all you did, all you had to give up was not watching the commercial. And that makes it a little, seem a little more doable. You'd be surprised what you can get done in little bits in between those commercials. Well, you're surrounded by um, young athletes who train every day and stay in top physical shape. Um, while they're your athletes, but do you do anything to make sure that fitness is going to stay important to them, you know, late into their life? Fantastic question. We've got, we have a, uh, something that I'm really big. We talk about elephants and hippos. This is, I'm going to give you a sidebar, you know, a court of law sidebar. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take you somewhere and I'm going to bring you back. Okay. On an, on our football team, we have elephants and hippos. Okay. Elephants are our offensive linemen. They're normally 300-something pounds, somewhere from 6'2 to 6'7. And these are big men between the ages of, young men between the ages of 18 and 22. Then we have what we call hippos. Our hippos are our defensive linemen, okay? They're normally not as tall. They're normally somewhere from 6 feet to 6 foot 5. And they are also usually well over or really close to 300 pounds. Well, normal health tells you you're not supposed to weigh that much. That can be a lot of heavy duty work for a heart beating to somebody that big. While they're playing the game of football, they need to be that big. Now, here's the sidebar. Now, I bring you, I'm bringing you back to it. When these young men graduate as seniors, one of the things that we're really big on, myself along with our strength coach, 
is that you're going to have an opportunity to play for the NFL. That's great. Here's your opportunity. These are the things you need to do. If you're not going to have an opportunity to play in the NFL, the first thing I do is I bring those guys in for one-on-one -on -one health meetings to sit down in my office to start charting with the strength coach. How are you going to lose this weight? How are you going to cut these calories down? Because now, without the physical activity that we do, if these guys continue to eat this, the calories that I was talking about earlier, you know, they could end up in a piano case. It could be terrible. And our, we're really, really big on making sure that these guys cut their calories, cut their weight, and we want it done immediately. You know, it's kind of like when young ladies have a baby and like lose the weight later, uh, no, lose the weight now. And we want it done immediately. And we're, I really pride myself on how much weight those young men are able to cut within a year to get them get their bodies back to normal and get their calorie takes back to normal so they can live a long and healthy life. So that process still involves um, exercise, right? Absolutely. But it really, what it, the mental part of cutting down the calories that they, the things they used to do, they can't do anymore. You can't order that pizza. You can't. Before, you, you were burning those calories off at football practice, lifting at 7 and 8 in the morning. You're not doing those things anymore because there's nothing for you to do those things for, and it's not fun. So it's really big on the mental part of it that your intake, okay, is going to be really important for you to lose this weight. So diet is part of all of this, healthy living, exercise, and diet. Um, are there, is there any strategy using, like, the visualization when it comes to getting people to eat healthy or your athletes to eat healthy? I think the big thing with the, visual, the visualization part of it is me sitting down and telling them the truth and telling them stories of other young men sitting right across from you where the story ended good and where the story ended bad. And in the old days, they had to take your word for it. Millennials, don't, they don't believe anything that you say most for the most part. They only believe Siri. So I give them the names and I tell them to Google it. And then they Google the articles and they read everything. They know that it's gospel what I'm telling them and that they really need to do this right away if they really want to have a healthy life. Now, when they're um, playing, uh, they're, what they eat is sort of given to them, right? They don't have to decide or do they, do they have a cafeteria where the athletes eat? Or Yeah, we have a cafeteria where the athletes eat and we have, a, we have a line where, hey, you're not allowed to gain weight. You eat in this line and... We have a line where, hey, you have to gain weight, you eat in this line. And then we have a line where, hey, you get to maintain weight, and this is the stuff that you eat. And, you know, they're, they're, they're held to that. I mean, there's certain weight gains that they have to hit in order to be able to do the things that we want them to do on the football field. So they do a fantastic job of that, too. And it's all monitored with uh, professionals with degrees that know what they're doing. So it's a pretty careful diet yes, um, but then when they're out on their own they have to learn how to eat healthily just like the rest of us right yeah absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. but, but they do a good job they know the one thing about athletes you can tell them what to eat but they want to know what's going into their body their body is their castles so they really do a fantastic job of educating themselves we don't have to do that much education so that food is they they see the food as fuel and it's got to be have this much protein or this much what absolutely okay absolutely well, celebrating victories has got to be sort of one of the high points of college football. Um, do you suggest that the weekend warrior needs to celebrate in some way as well? You know, I think, cele I think celebrations are good for you. You know, 
weddings, anniversaries, you know, birthdays, uh, special events. I, I think when you've worked really hard, you, you owe yourself a treat. And uh, it's, to me, it's okay to break the diet for that two scoops of vanilla ice cream. Now, you don't have to put the fudge and everything on there, but uh, you know, I think it's okay to do that or to have that, that glass of wine that's really nice that you want to have. So I think if you work hard and you play hard and you're successful in your win, you're allowed to treat yourself. Now, just understand that you need to do something extra for those calories you just put in there, but uh, I think it's warranted. Let's celebrate. Well, I heard that you're a fan of movies, so I've, i i got to ask you what your favorite sports movies are. <sighs> wow. I mean, there's a lot to choose from, there's a lot. There's a lot to choose from. I love The Natural. I l absolutely love The Natural. The old guy getting a shot, nobody knowing what happened to him, and then fantastic story of him making a bad choice at a very young age and how long it affected him. And, uh, you know, I just love The Natural. Field of Dreams, obviously. Fantastic movie. Um, I probably should say a, cow I mean, a football movie in here. Remember the Titans? Mm -hmm. You know, that was uh, in Virginia, and I spent some time in that state. So, And then Denzel Washington, I like him anyway. <laughs> but uh, then to hear the... the uh, how they, at the end where they rolled the credits and they're talking about where, where those Sunshine, the quarterback, that went to South Carolina and where all these guys went to school, it was awesome. You know, so uh, I'm, in, I'm into movies, but sports movies always have a special place. Imagine. Well, thank you so much. This has been nice talking to you. My guest has been Syracuse University head football coach Dino Babers. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.